Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul, Mission Control, Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Quick bit of housekeeping at the top, folks. Uh, as we said in our weekly listener mail segment, we've done a little bit of a switcheroo this week, so strange news is coming to you on a Thursday. You're in the right place, <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll be back to regularly scheduled programming next week. That's just a check-in to let you know there wasn't a Mandela effect. There wasn't some weird cognitive shift. Uh, we are going to talk about some shifting things. We are going to uh, learn some unpleasant facts uh, for anybody who owns or thinks of owning a car. Uh, we are going to... Uh, there's so much. We're going to dive into a story that's been obsessing me for a while. Uh, regarding a very smart man who found some very strange things off the coast of Papua New Guinea. But before we do any of that, we're thematically returning to a great fascination, the rise of super pigs, which we previously reported on in North America. But this story takes us somewhere far, far away. Yeah, it does. To the land, the land of Bavaria. In, in Deutschland, where I once was a young German boy. It's true. Um, I don't know. These are definitely super pigs of a type. Uh, let's call them super fund pigs, shall we? Um, yeah. These, we've, we've, we've actually, on both, on uh, stuff that I want you to know in Ridiculous History, we've been talking a lot about 
nuclear waste sites and nuclear dump sites and places that you can and can't visit. Obviously, oh, the places that you can't go. Um, we went into a, quite a few of those. And also on a recent uh, clip show of Ridiculous History, we had a whole section on broken arrows and, and toxic dump sites that uh, you can actually visit. Um, what often comes up or a site that often comes up in these types of conversations is Chernobyl, uh, a Russian nuclear reactor that famously melted down uh, and then communications famously broke down or perhaps by design, uh, the information of what was actually occurring when it was occurring was not shared with the public uh, in Russia, let alone the Soviet, former Soviet Union, let alone outside of its borders. Um, but, uh, many, many, many years later, the literal fallout of that event continues to cause problems in, in environments uh, well beyond the, the bounds of what is now Russia. Uh, and one of those places is in, in the forests of Bavaria, in the, 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 black, the famous Black Forests. I believe. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Uh, but there are definitely some environments in uh, Bavaria that have uh, had soil contamination um, that was, until now, largely blamed on fallout from Chernobyl. So a byproduct of nuclear fission, um, whether it be from nuclear power generation or from the detonation of an atomic weapon or testing thereof, which we've also talked about a lot, uh, is cesium. Um, there are different types of cesium. All cesiums are not created equal. Uh, there is cesium-137, which has been largely attributed to the Chernobyl uh, incident, the um, uh, presence of that in the soil. Uh, it has a much shorter half-life than its much peskier cousin, cesium-135, which, if I'm not mistaken, Ben, you 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 might remember um, off the top of your head. I believe that it can last millions of years. Whereas two, two, two million, million years. Yeah, that's the half life. That that's the half life. Whereas one thirty seven is only like sixty to eighty years. It's 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 a like it's like they're two completely different things. Um, but they can actually mix in the soil, and they kind of you know obviously the their half-lives combined are the greater than the sum of their parts, and they create a much longer-lasting problem in the soil. And guess who eats soily stuff? Pigs. Wild boars, it. right? Boars, specifically. You know, you've heard of... Uh, you guys seen the film Pig, starring Nicolas mm -hmm. Cage? Mm -hmm. I think it's a wonderful film. I, I think it ticks all the boxes for me for movies. It's just a great story about a man and his truffle pig, and it teaches you a lot about that whole world. Um, and that's the thing. These pigs can root around. They're always talking about rooting, hearing about pigs rooting, uh, in the soil for mushrooms and, yes, truffles. Uh, and then, you know, they're, they're not just there to find them for humans like Nicolas Cage. They want to eat them. That is their goal. And left unchecked without a human saying, ah, yoink, that's my truffle pig, um, they're going to eat them. And because these things grow in soil, the cesium is contaminating them. And they are then pooping it out, which then goes back into the soil and further increases the half-life of the stuff, essentially. I, I mean, again, I'm not maybe speaking in the most scientific of terms, but I do believe that that is part of like a, a cycle that is now being participated in by these, these animals. Um, so when they eat the things, they're reintroducing them back into the soil. So it's just this kind of vicious cycle of the stuff kind of never going away. Wow. Um, so 
takeaway here before we chat about it, uh, don't go hunting wild boars in, in Bavaria. Uh, it, it's, it is some seriously dangerous stuff and don't they're not dying. Exactly. Don't go hunting toxic boars. <laughs> Just stick to the ones that you buy in the grocery stores. Hey, that rhymes. Uh, hey, <laughs> that there you accident. go. Uh, I love Can an I? accidental rhyme. Yes, please. I'm, I'm, there's so many things to, to unpack here, I think. Well, the, the first thing is a clarification. Ben, the super pigs that we talked about were specifically uh, like domesticated pigs or, or standard pigs mating with wild boars creating the super pig, right? That's what those are. That is correct. The interesting thing about domestic pigs is they have what you could call a stealth gene, their physical expression will change when they go feral. That's when they grow those tusks. They get a lot of hair. Got uh, it. Those are those super pigs. They're not the same as these guys, which have, despite, you know, experiencing this, what's called the wild boar paradox, um, the North American ones so far are not irradiated. Got it. So anywhere near the same degree. These are more like Bruce Banner meets gamma rays. But these are pigs. these are wild boars. Like that's the way they would be described. So they're not mm-hmm. the super pig version. Yeah. They are wild boars in Germany that are rooting around in all this dirt. But yes, my, they did not make it across, you know, the Bering Strait. But I guess it's anything. not the same yeah. thing. I just want to make sure it's uh, in my head I was thinking there it was the same thing. I, know, I, I think like I think the point was they're, they're super pigs of a type. Got yeah, it. They're, 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 they're their own kind of breed. They haven't yet started presenting glowing green eyes yet uh, or any kinds of, you know, uh, superpowers, uh, Ninja Turtle type type abilities. But you never know. Um, anything could change. But uh, essentially, it's just interesting to we knew about the Chernobyl connection with this stuff for, for a while. Like that was sort of been considered to be the only issue at play. And the study, um, by the way, which I don't believe I cited uh, from the environmental science and technology journal um, is, is new. And this is when they've, they've kind of really started differentiating between these two types of cesiums. They're drastically different half lives and where they came from. And I'm sorry, maybe I didn't even say I buried the lead. The other cesium comes from uh, 60 to 80 years of uh, nuclear testing in the area mm-hmm. done by Germany, you know, so mm-hmm. Cold War nuclear bomb blasts uh, that were, you know, tests done wow. in the area. So uh, let's see. But wait, but wait, OK, I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. Chernobyl is late 1980s. I'm imagining like this stuff going into the soil. Right. So like because mm-hmm. it would. If there was fallout, it would land on top of the soil, and over time, it would start to go down in the soil, right? As leaves fall, more soil is created. It's like going deeper and deeper. I just don't understand how pigs are getting its stuff from like 60 years ago or more. Well, there's that, there's that feedback loop. There's also some fallout from just global nuclear testing That's right. that becomes significant in this paradox. Like the... Boars, from my understanding, correct me if I'm off base here, Noel, the, the pigs uh, were eating elephomyces, which is a kind of truffle that humans don't eat. And this, the consumption here, that specific consumption is why radiation levels have decreased in other Chernobyl wild, or other wildlife in the area, but the pigs are still uh, still radioactive. So they're, what happened is 
what had happened was we've got these two elements, these two things. One is around for two million years. One is around for about thirty years. But that's right. It's and being, then there's a, yeah. I, th- I think a pretty helpful quote from the writers of the study: sixty-year-old uh, cesium from nuclear weapons fallout contributes significantly to the notorious contamination levels in wild boars in Central Europe that were previously believed to be dominated by Chernobyl. I understand what you're saying, Matt. You're looking at these almost like ice cores or something like that, right? Like, like this is like a thing where there's like layers of sediment on top of it. But, but, but isn't that how it works? Doesn't that leach into the soil around it, though? I think. Again, radioactive contamination, I mean, it's like pretty insidious, you know, it yeah. like sort of affects everything it touches. And I would think to a degree, there would be kind of like a domino effect. But then, you know, the quick fix for a lot of these super fun sites that we talk about is burying the stuff in these open pits. But then we know that there is still... If, if the lining of those pits leaks, they have these like kind of plastic linings or whatever, then it invades the surrounding soil. And then due to erosion, I think, and like rainfall and stuff, it just gets all mixed up and then kind of rises to the surface. Is that yeah. your understanding, Ben? Geography plays a part in it too, right? Because the Bavaria gets more precipitation. Is that correct? From the, in comparison to a lot of other parts of Europe. So that concentrates the fallout from the environmental or the atmospheric testing, even if it was, you know, far enough away that normally it wouldn't affect this pig truffle situation. One thing I'm wondering about here, Noel, is quality of life for the animals. What do they have like higher rates of cancer? Do they have yeah. a lower lifespan? I, I just don't know. Yeah, that, that wasn't really mentioned in any of the reporting that I saw. And no one's really thinking about the pigs, the comfort level and all this, unfortunately, what they are thinking about and what is addressed more than anything uh, concerning the actual pig is that you don't want to eat that meat because it's real bad for you. Could, could hurt, could, could really hurt you. Um, and they, they did say that other animals in the area, their radioactivity levels have decreased significantly, but not the boars. And I think that's because the boars are these foragers and these rooters that are like digging deeper into the soil uh, and potentially getting at stuff like these truffles or these mushrooms that are soil based, that are continuing to be contaminated. So that's an interesting thing. And what I was going to say too about the, I think I mentioned before that I I used to look into a lot of uh, stuff in Augusta area about radioactive um, waste sites and at Savannah River site, they use animals to test the levels of radioactivity. So they'll tag boars, they'll tag turtles and then release them and then go fetch them. And they've got a little tag that's like sort of like drilled into their shell. And then they check their levels to see how well they're doing in that. So animals are always a really good vector, I guess, for, for, you know, figuring out if cleanup or, or, you know, over time is actually working. Guys, I think we need a cesium and wait, no, wait, hold on, wait, let me just work time. <laughs> we need a wild boar cesium team six that can go in, get all the radioactive stuff out of the soil. Then we corral them to a place where all their poop goes in one spot. We'd send yeah. that off to a specific site that we just keep going. We start clearing the land. A super poop site. Yeah, dude, that's what mm-hmm. we need. Just open pits. <laughs> Speaking of which, I think we may have discussed this off air, but uh, and just to wrap this up and just to add a little detail to something we've already discussed involving mushrooms, the mushroom poisoning incident in Australia that both you and I uh, discussed in varying stages of its, uh, you know, of, of the discovery around that. And I'm sure there are maybe even more updates that we haven't looked into yet, but did get a message from a listener from Australia saying that a tip is in fact not a 
uh, a tr- garbage can or a street side thing or a dumpster. It's actually a, a garbage dump, like a city yeah, like a garbage dump. junkyard landfill. Yeah, we got a lot of people writing in on email about that as well. Thanks for the tip, you guys. Hey, it's because you can tip your car into it or tip things out of your trunk. Or if you have a garbage truck to the back of it, you know, tips. So nice and descriptive. I like it. So with that, I think we could take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsor, and then uh, come back at you with some more strange news. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. And we have returned with something that may be out of left field or out of the deep for many of us listening this evening, but for others, some of our fellow conspiracy realists are instantly going to recognize 
this story, this ongoing story, I'd like to paint a picture briefly of a brilliant man, a guy named Abraham Loeb, Avi, to his friends. He is a theoretical physicist, an astrophysicist. His bona fides just don't stop. He is currently the Frank B. Baird Jr. Professor of Science at Harvard University. He is published in multiple things. He has picture a scientific award. He's probably got it. Uh, he has been described as one of the 25 most influential people in space, in the concept of space. Uh, and he's kind of controversial because he has discovered something. He focused a lot of his research on something called Aumuamua, which is the first interstellar object that's been detected passing through this solar system. You oh, know what I mean? that was, that's, I remember we talked about that, right? Um, mm -hmm. Not huge, but like it had a weird trajectory or something because it bounced around the sun. Yeah, it had a weird trajectory, had a weird shape. It was, its motion um, seemed to be tumbling. It was unusual. You know, a stranger drifts through town is basically the story. Oh, and Ben, it was the whole thing with it, it was it was moving faster than it should have been, right? If it was just yeah. uh, some other interstellar object that came through. Yes. So he has been in the world, the bleeding edge of science, of finding interstellar objects, of learning more about what's out there in the ink. And I thought we could talk about something they did recently in the past few years that's incredibly controversial. He has recovered 50 tiny spherical iron fragments from the bottom of the Pacific Ocean, and he believes they may be material from an interstellar alien spaceship. What? Oh, snap. Yeah. He, uh, what? Yeah. Yeah. There's a twist at the end, right? So <laughs> he, he um, since he already knew about Oumuamua, which was unusual, he's been digging into this theme. Uh, he is the guy who said he's by far the most credible person who said, hey, maybe Oumuamua was artificial rather than natural in origin. He wrote that in 2018. And then he said, this means we've got to start searching for wreckage, for interstellar debris. And he wasn't he wasn't being all woo woo. You know, we're going to find E.T.'s Toyota Camry or something. He was more he was more like a forensic detective and his team went back through all the records from various nonprofits that track objects entering earth's atmosphere. A lot of it from the U S department of defense. And there was a fireball this is how it goes. It sounds like a setup for a joke. There was a fireball in 2014, January, 2014. It was traveling faster than most meteors. It broke up over the South Pacific ocean near Papua New Guinea. And this guy's got juice, right? So he got a team together and they went and searched underwater to find, you know, to find whether this thing had left any physical evidence. And that's where they found these spherules, S-P-H-E-R-U-L-E-S. Uh, -E -E They're so small. They're like half a millimeter in diameter, maybe. And there's a lot of material science going into this. He also has a lot of precedent historically. Other expeditions way in the past, like in the 1800s, found 
things that were probably like this. They called them cosmic spherules, uh, and uh, they didn't know what to make of these metallic droplets either. So let's pause there, right? Okay, you found some weird tiny, tiny metal balls off the coast of Papua New Guinea. Okay, the ocean's super polluted, right? There, there are tons of tiny metal balls, I imagine, throughout the entire marine ecosystem. Well, yeah, I mean, the stuff that could have been used in the fishing industry, old munitions from, you know, like tiny spherical munitions that have just been down there degrading. Uh, but I'm assuming there's quite a bit of science going into testing the chemical makeup of those spherules. Yes, yes, you are correct. Uh, one spherule for Team Frederick. Yes, uh, the, the big thing is the material science, right? You want to learn the composition. You want to learn the relative age to the best of your ability. And that research is ongoing now. You can go to Ave Loeb's blog and you can see you can see how his work is continuing. Fair warning to everybody, he is an astrophysicist. He does not talk down to people. So <laughs> at least uh, for my part, I got in over my head a couple of times. He said that these well, what we know is that meteors from this solar system are going to contain iron and nickel, but these spherules apparently don't have very much nickel at all, which means they're almost certainly from somewhere beyond the bounds of the soul system. But that doesn't necessarily make it artificial, right? That could just mean it's a rock from far away. Because we were just talking about in the super pigs, right? The fallout's the problem. doesn't matter where you detonate those nuclear weapons. If that material gets into the atmosphere, mm -hmm. it turns into clouds, right, with all the other stuff in the moisture up there, and then it moves across the Earth, and then it can drop down somewhere else. It, isn't it the same thing here with other kinds of pollution? Like, I'm, I'm imagining that there's pollution, basically, that would create a metal spheral like that after it hits water and cools basically maybe i'm wrong i don't know i'm thinking specifically about fly ash mm -hmm. like this is mm -hmm. this is something that humans humans like been, coal plants yeah humans yeah. humans have been burning coal for a long time and i know one of the byproducts the pollutants that you get from that is this thing called fly ash that could be it would be metallic right mm -hmm. and it would be a sphere i don't know if it would be the same size or i don't know I don't know what I'm talking about, guys. <laughs> no, it, I think the entirety of current civilization is learning together. They're figuring this out together. And I, I do want to first commend Loeb's entire team for being able to find something in the first place. This is beyond a needle in a haystack. In a, in a previous show that I produced called Missing in Alaska, we went to look for a, something much larger, remnants of a missing Cessna. And going under the water in uh, the hinterlands of Alaska, that was a tall order for us. This is uh, much more difficult. They used a magnetic sled, which is a thing. You know, oh, a very, yeah, on the yeah, ocean yeah, yeah. floor? Yeah, they vacuumed, basically. That's how, that's that's how they sick. got to it. And to your point, uh, the statement, you know, we don't know what we're talking about. Well... No, I said I, of, I said I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, a lot of people agree that in general, folks, we don't know what we're talking about. Uh, one guy, Rob McCallum, said, quote, the complexity lies in the fact that no one knows what it is we're looking for. 
Which is true because the idea of an alien spaceship is a sample size of zero. I'd like to recommend some articles for people who want to read more. New York Times Magazine, uh, just on August 24th of this year, put out a great primer and background on on the work of Dr. Uh, Professor Loeb. It says, uh, the title is How a Harvard Professor Became the World's Leading Alien Hunter. You can also read his, uh, you can read many of his papers on this subject. You can go to any number of subreddits where people have some serious opinions, let's say. Uh, if you want to go to his blog and learn from the man himself, then all you have to do is go to avi loeb L-O-E-B dot medium dot com. Uh, and the problem with this kind of science is that it often gets sort of um, magnified or twisted. As we know, it becomes something people click on. Loeb at this point is searching for extraterrestrial life. The evidence that someone somewhere out there made a craft or made something that through a staggering lottery found itself over here in our solar system. But he's not making a bunch of like wackadoo, quote unquote, tinfoil hat claims. He's a credible scientist doing credible work. Uh, and I don't know, we've talked in the past about how some people in academia are afraid to broach certain topics because they feel like it'll ruin their careers. Do you guys still think that's a real thing? Well, I mean... It makes me, it does make me think of like what's going on with disclosure and everything, you know, with like high military folks coming out or people with, you know, career military officials or consultants or whatever, maybe being less scared to talk about these kinds of things. Uh, I, I would hope that also trickles down and applies to people in the scientific community, which I think maybe it applied less to in the past. But I don't know. No, you're right about the crackpot thing. Like even when we talk about people like Russell Targ, who were doing research um, into things that maybe were considered more fringe, there is a certain part of the scientific community that kind of like turns their nose up at that a little bit. So you can't really, I don't know, the way people within the scientific community react to this kind of research is really its own kind of thing, right? I think this is tremendously cool. This is another, you guys are starting to get used to this as you listen to the show. Matt gets confused. I think we should put that on the, uh, on the old bingo chart. Um, so. When we're talking about Oumuamua and this scientist, Loeb, that mm. is one of the things that he believes could be an interstellar object, came from outside of the solar system, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that thing is not related to the spherules. That was a different, uh, potentially interstellar object that he found. Yes. Mm -hmm. So then he's looking at these things, breaking them down, looking at the composition, trying to prove that these spherules he found by dredging the ground or dredging the ocean floor, those are actually from that thing that was an interstellar object. Okay. Yeah, you got it. Nailed it. That thing is, okay. uh, the street name for that thing is CNEOS 2014-0108. Stop. Super <laughs> no, sexy. It's, <laughs> it's not as fun to say as Oumuamua. That's way cooler. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but oh, he's going to do more of that? Is that the idea? Lobe, or Lobe, has Lobe found those ferals and now he's done... Uh, he's just going to prove those, or is he looking for more stuff? It's all happening. It's part of the Galileo project, right? Which cool. is itself a recent, a very recent thing. The stuff that he's been finding is still being evaluated, 
right? Because that's how science works. You have to have peer evaluation. And as we know, uh, not all astrophysicists agree with Loeb about many different things. That's fine. That's also how science works. They've discovered other things, like as recently as June of this year, Loeb and his team found an eight millimeter long curled piece of wire. And it's very strange. They put it under um, some different types of analysis that I obviously do not understand. And they found it was composed chiefly of manganese and platinum. And those are used in the construction of electrodes. And there's no, is it space? Is it earth trash? Is it space trash? Is it the one little piece of wire that made it from a spaceship? These are exciting questions. And this is the right time to ask these kind of questions. Uh, I hope this is also the right time to ask of you two a very important question. Um, do you think Starfield is worth me buying an Xbox? Well, I'm considering it. I'm considering it as well. Yeah, sure. I was yeah. highly disappointed to find that it was uh, not on the PS5 store. And I am not. I, well, I know, Matt, you're in the maybe in the market. I think both of you mentioned you were in the market for gaming PCs, but uh, not a direction that I'm willing to go. But maybe there's a couple games that I've seen that are, that are exclusive to Xbox that seem cool. But Starfield. I love those Bethesda games. I want to go to space and find space trash. And Ave agrees with you. This, this is one thing I want to give people who want to learn more about this project, whether you consider yourself a diehard skeptic or whether you uh, believe the truth is absolutely out there or whether you, uh, like me at least, desperately want something cool to happen with space in your lifetime. Uh, check out the Galileo Project. You can visit it now. It's an international, or you can go to the website now. It's an international scientific research project, kind of like SETI. They're comprehensively searching for extraterrestrial intelligence, and they're looking on or near Earth, whereas SETI is, of course, looking much further out. So hopefully, hopefully they're going to find some astonishing things and you know, again, we know this can be controversial for some people. In full disclosure, I do have some personal contacts uh, who are associated with this project. They have no influence on the information we've explored today, which is barely scratching the surface. You know what I mean? Magnet sleds. Dude. So cool. Yeah. Ben, uh, you shared with us something from Harvard.edu that mm -hmm. actually has pictures in it of the spheres. It has... Uh, charts that show like where the where the ship was dredging, I guess, with that magnetic thing you're talking about. Uh, mm -hmm. How do people find that? Because I'm what do I search for? <laughs> uh, you can go to projects.iq.harvard.edu. And then from there, just search Galileo. Awesome. It's really cool. You should definitely check this out. And, you know, if you have a magnet sled, tell us about it. I don't know why that's the part that sticks out to me of all the technology they're discussing. We're going to pause for a word from our sponsors, and then we're going to discuss a much more common technology, right, that has some disturbing plot twists. 
When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. And we've returned. Guys, just thinking about that magnet sled still. I'm I'm imagining a short film, or maybe maybe there's a feature-length film that we can get somebody on where it's a, a person who begins their journey into magnetism, you know, early on, then eventually they get a metal detector and then eventually they realize they can get one of these sleds you're talking about, Ben. And then it leads them to go shoot a satellite into orbit that specifically collects debris with a giant magnet. Uh, if we can, <laughs> if we can add like a cool runnings, uh, B plot, line, sure. you know what I mean? They'll have someone else out in the world. Who's like, I also build magnetic sleds. 
Oh, and that's then they great. Have to work oh, together. sort of like the mean ski guys in the '80s, like <laughs> Ski Weekend movie, you know, <laughs> who, are, who are always like bullying the the underdogs, and then at the end they have a big ski off, and the winner is the good guy. Usually, I think South Park did a parody of that, but it's a fun. Always trip. Sunny did a banger on that one as Absolutely well. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah. I just want to see somebody's evolution in the magnetic slash metal detection. Same thing. <laughs> All right, so. Uh, we're going to just, I'm just going to lay this out and then we're going to talk cars for a while. Here we go. According to the AP news writing on September 5th, 2023, which is two days ago as we're recording this quote, the United States steps towards recall of 52 million airbag inflators that can explode and hurl shrapnel. Okay. You heard that right. It's like the thing that's supposed to save you is actually final destinationing you, you know, in, in the face. Potentially, probably not your airbags. It's just there is a chance, right? Even if it's a one in a million chance, there's a chance that this these specific airbags can either not deploy when you need them to deploy in a you know, catastrophic accident or will uh, puncture the airbag and explode out with metal shrapnel, potentially injuring you very badly or fatally. Um, and these are these are pretty recent find. Actually, these are findings that have been around for a while. This has kind of been a fight that's been going on. Every recall is right. <laughs> you guys, I, I watched Fight Club uh, for the first time in many years with my my kid and and my girlfriend, and uh, there's a. This, this comes up, the, you know, the character that Edward Norton plays is like a recall specialist for a big car company. And I just pulled it up. He says, now, should we initiate a recall? Take the number of vehicles in the field, A, multiply by the probable rate of failure, B, multiply by the average out-of-court settlement, C, A times B times C equals X. If X is less than the cost of a recall, we don't do one. Also, check out, uh, there was an episode I did on car stuff with Scott years and years back, uh, the 10 most terrifying manufacturing defects. And then we had another episode about how recalls work. And that Fight Club description is not far off at all. I think they pulled that directly from, that's Palinuk, right? Chuck Palinuk? Yes, right. Mm -hmm. So not for nothing did he come up with that calculation. I think it was actually based on a, a real thing that happened with a Ford Pinto that had like an exploding gas tank. But I guess the reason I bring it up is a recall is always going to be high profile like this and make headlines, especially with a number like that. So something pretty dangerous must have been a Bruin for them to to to, to do this. Oh, something very dangerous occurred here in this story because, guys, well, let's just talk about it. These are airbag inflators. That's specific airbag inflators. Uh, that were manufactured by ARC Automotive Incorporated. This decision or this like choice to say, hey, these are dangerous. Uh, we need to do something about it. It was made by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Mm -hmm. And that occurred this Tuesday as we're recording this. And they are saying that these things, these inflators are defective. And there's a hearing scheduled. And guys, back in May... This same organization that is saying, hey, we need a hearing on October 5th. Back in May, they went to ARC Automotive, who manufactured these things, and said, hey, we got a problem here. You need to recall these things because there are at least seven injuries and two deaths in the U.S. and Canada. Listen to this, though. Since 2009. That's a mm -hmm. long time for two deaths and seven injuries, but they were all 
associated with these inflators. And it is typical that the NHTSA will ask for a voluntary recall. Got it. Mm-hmm. And some of the bigger, so like when when the bigger companies themselves, like the name brands you see on the cars, when they take the hit for a recall, they will often do it voluntarily uh, after they run through their calculations yeah. uh, because it, it's better to get in front of it. You know? Yeah. Well, and, and again, according to the company that manufactures these things, they are saying, no, we're not going to re- recall these. At least that's what they said in May. They're also saying, hey, the findings that you've put forward here that you want to talk about they're it's wrong. It's a hypothesis that you guys have come up with based on some of these injuries and deaths that it's the airbag inflator causing the problem. We are saying as the manufacturer of that inflator that that's not it. So it is going to be a battle. So, so these are airbags that are put in third-party vehicle companies. It's not like the company is like, you know, Kia or whatever manufactures their own airbags. They're working with a third-party vendor, which is who these guys are. So they're basically saying, like, our product is good. It's a defect in the manufacturing of the model that, the, that our perfectly good airbag was placed in. Yes, but it's not, it's not like just a few brands of cars use this or a few, you know, vehicles on the road oh, is yeah, this huge list but i'm just saying like it yeah. is it is a it is a third party company this this yes. group that's making only these and then they're they only make those yeah, yep. yeah that's correct they only make uh not even the whole airbag package you know yeah. they only make the airbag inflator the thing I mean, goes it, really it, makes you, it makes you think literally you had one job you know well well yeah but <laughs> i know there's a lot of things that go it's just tough because who knows variables. right now it's not proven that that's what it is It's just very strange. So let's just, I'm going to read from this AP article. Quote, owners of vehicles made by at least a dozen auto brands, Chevrolet, Buick, GMC, Ford, Toyota, I don't know what this is, Stellantis, Volkswagen, Audi, BMW, Porsche, Hyundai, and Kia uh, are left, this is what it says, are left to wonder anxiously whether their vehicles contain driver or front passenger inflators made by ARC because it's hard to know. But according to NHTSA, it's estimating that 67 million inflators need to be recalled. Uh, But it did revise that number down to 52 million after, you know, it's been communicating with ARC, you know, about Mm -hmm. their findings. But still, 52 million? It's not the first time that there's been a massive uh, airbag recall either. I think it was 2015. There was a company named Takata that had to recall their airbags Mm -hmm. because they, I'm just like going back through the archives here. Um, And I think more people died as a result of those airbags, but they recalled, I'm pulling up this article here from Spectrum News, New York One. Uh, (laughs) According to these folks with whom I'm unfamiliar, that recall in 2015 affected 34 million vehicles. And, you know, when these recalls happen, um, the if you've never experienced one, it's not like someone makes it easy to fix your car. You get a letter and you have to go to a dealership and hand the dealership that letter. So it's still costing you in terms of time. And it's not like 
they're going to come to your house and make you do it. No. People ignore those things all the time. And, and I think I actually, you know what it was? It was a friend of the show uh, and former roommate, Frank Mulheron. He got one. He put it on the fridge because it had an amazing graphic of like an airbag with like sharp things shooting out of it into one of those cartoon people saying, this could be you. Do the thing. You Jeez. Know? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that's a good strategy. Yeah. That's more impactful. I think it, it was. It's just, it wasn't this, obviously, and I may be making it about airbag, but it was definitely an image of something that could go horribly wrong drawn out in like a scenario, like a warning label or something, you know? Mm-hmm. I have a recall situation happening right now as well. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Wow. I'm sorry, man. It, it stinks. Recall situations stink, as you guys have outlined right here. I want to give people a little more information. If you have a vehicle that was manufactured, it's like a model year 2002 to 2018, your vehicle is potentially affected by this, but you kind of have to do some digging, which, and it's crazy that this organization, what what do we call them, Ben? The NHTSA? <laughs> yeah, think of the TSA, but for cars. And uh, by, by the way, shout out to Ralph Nader, without which any of this would have been possible. Yes, shout out to you, Ralph Nader. Uh, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration has been investigating this problem for years, since 2015. And they just now this year came out with some findings that are actionable to have another meeting about it. (laughs) Right. To have that October 5th hearing while you're doing this digging, folks, even though it is inconvenient, uh, dying is also inconvenient. So, you know, (laughs) prioritize things accordingly. You might run into a situation where you feel like your car is supposed to get a recall for these airbags and you might not see the company art automotive there be aware that there's another company that also makes these allegedly faulty components they're called delphi automotive they're making the same thing they just have a different name man i yeah i'm sorry i missed that guys i didn't even see it in here well that's all thanks to our good friends at spectrum news new york one. Oh man thank you spectrum uh yeah yeah no this is creepy And it's scary, but again, there is a super low chance that your vehicle is going to experience this problem, even if it has one of these defective things in it. Because again, all the all the stars have to line up where you get in a bad enough accident where an airbag deploys and that airbag inflator is defective and, you know, whatever. It's just there are a lot of things, right? The probability is low. But there's another thing about our vehicles that maybe we should be paying a little more attention to. Ben? uh, Matt? No, this is a tease because this may may end up being an episode. Uh, Let's do that. Let's make it an episode. But let's tell people, give them a little tease. Yeah. Your car is spying on you so hard. Especially the newer it is, the crazier it is. There's a study that we're going to explore that conclusively proves car companies are conspiring to take your information in ways that you never imagined. Um, I guess the, the, one of the biggest ones to leave us with is Nissan is, is pretty close to figuring out when it's uh, when it's car owners have sex. <laughs> Think about your health app that you might have. Hey, do you have a Fitbit? Do you keep your phone around you? 
<laughs> when you're getting it on. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, for posterity. And do you have a car app on your phone? Do you plug your car in and use Apple Play or Google Play or whatever it is that, you know, vehicles communicate with your phone? Hey, there's some stuff going on and it's purposeful. And Mozilla found out and they told us about it. Mozilla? The little, yeah. the little alien guy? Whatever mm-hmm. he looks like. They had a cute little, for a time, it was an actual mascot. And I think people mm-hmm. forgot about old Mozilla. Mozilla's been busy. They did. They released um, one of my favorite to date comprehensive studies of privacy in automobiles, which is, a, that's a very specific <laughs> favorite. But uh, they found that multiple companies, first off, their terms of service and agreements are Orwellian. It's crazy. It's not just Nissan. Kia also mentions they can collect information about your sex life and their privacy policy. And then there were six other car companies, all mentioned the study, uh, who say that by owning or buying or driving this car, you are agreeing that they can collect your genetic information and genetic characteristics. Wait a minute. Is that like, hold on a second. Is yeah. That, right. So if you accidentally let, you know, get a little sloppy and uh, are you saying it's going to like pick up your DNA? No, 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 <laughs> no. Who knows? It's, it's Who knows? gathering data. <laughs> we need to talk about this at length, but the biggest problem here is that new vehicles tout, hey, we are a technological wonder. Each new Camry, each new uh, whatever, Altima. I'm, those are the only two I've driven recently, but I have driven a Nissan recently and it freaks me out. Uh, but these, this brand new machine, it has sensors, all types of sensors. It's so intelligent. It's going to, you know, it knows everything about its environment. It knows where you're going, how fast you're going, what you're thinking. No, it doesn't know what you're thinking. Well, uh, not yet. Predictively, I mean, it, it's tantamount to the same thing. If you think about it, it knows enough. But the vehicle itself is a data collection machine. And oh, yeah. the question is, what do the car companies do with all that data? They make money. Well, and, then, and the argument is always usually when, when, when this kind of data collection stuff comes up, the argument is usually surrounding free products and services, right? Like Internet things, social media, whatever, Pokemon Go. You're the you're the product. All that stuff is what you're paying for the thing that you're using. But with a car, you're paying a lot of money for that. Like, how are they justifying this? Well, they're justifying it because technology will always outpace legislation. Vast majority of the United States, you need a car to get around. Uh, I I can't wait. I think we should do this episode. It's important. And even if you don't consider yourself a, a car, automotive, or vehicle person, uh, you're going to want to know what's going on. It is, I would argue, again, an active conspiracy. So... <laughs> Have a great time on the road trip, folks. Uh, you might want to take some different routes, throw them off a little bit, throw the heat off. Just be cautious about what apps you have open on your phone yes. while it's connected yeah. to your car. Be cautious of things that advertise themselves as a seamless experience. There's a reason why, right? So, so tune in for that one in an evening coming up soon. Uh, In the meantime, thank you so much to everybody for tuning in. As we said, we'll be back next week with more strange news, more listener mail. Uh, We're also going to have an update on Wagner. We're going to talk about controlling the future through controlling the past. All kinds of weird stuff is on the way. Uh, And we can't wait for you to join the show and be part of it. Reach out. Tell us your opinions. Tell us what you think your fellow conspiracy realists should learn more about.
We try to be easy to find online. That's right. And we hopefully succeed. You can find us at the handle Conspiracy Stuff on X, nay, Twitter. Or is it Twitter, nay, X? Who knows? You'll figure it out. Uh, we're also Conspiracy Stuff on Facebook and YouTube. We're, exciting things are a, a popping and a brewing all the time. We just did a fun shoot and uh, should see some of those things rolling out on uh, YouTube over the next couple of weeks. So keep a look out there. Always fun stuff. Please subscribe. Um, also, by the way, if you like this show, go drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. Reviewing costs nothing. Say, say nice things, we hope. But on Facebook, we do also have a Facebook group called Here's Where It Gets Crazy. Conspiracy Stuff Show on TikTok and Instagram. I'm doing it again, guys. If you're in Vegas, Las Vegas, Nevada, around September 21st to the 23rd, come and find us. We will be there. We'll be doing things. Just find us. Yeah, we can get into like some fear and loathing type adventures together. I oh, promise. yeah. A good time will be had by all. <laughs> All right. Hey, do you want to call our number? one eight three three stdwytk It is a voicemail system. You've got three minutes to say whatever you'd like. Please give yourself a cool nickname and let us know if we can use your message on one of our listener mail episodes. If you've got more to say than can fit in that three minutes, why not instead send us a good old-fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iheartradio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.